Hey guys, it's your girl Jodi Ann, also known as I Go By Joe, and this is The E Project. Let's start the show. Hey guys, I am back with another episode. It's your host, Jodi Ann, and I am here with another amazing entrepreneur. His name is Philip Isaacs. He is a clinical counselor, international speaker, trainer, and consultant. Basically just a jack of all trades. <laughs> He's amazing at what he does um, and very inspiring, and I'm honored to have him here with me today. Thank you, Jodi Ann. Thank you. <laughs> it's very good to be here, and it's an honor to actually uh, be here with you as well. So. Thank you so much. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am, as you said, you know, I do counseling. Uh, the reason why I got into it, though, is because I've always cared about people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was young, I'd have some friends would come to me with their personal problems as if I knew what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that, I guess, my upbringing really helped me to uh, remain sensitive to individuals and uh, look at them in, with eyes that are non-judgmental but more compassionate. And so I think as I've learned to be compassionate through my own life experiences, um, I've been able to help others in that way. But if I go back to where I guess compassion came from, I wasn't always, I was definitely not the popular kid growing up. Um, I was on the other end of that spectrum. And so I had to learn you know, honestly, what what ended up happening is I became all things. I learned how to be a chameleon and never actually found my own identity mm. because I would try to fit into every other group and I'd try to be accepted and all these things. And uh, never, ever taking time to stop and think, who, who is Philip Isaacs? You know, my parents would always say, you know, stop following other people, you know, be a leader. You're a leader. And I never really got it. I never really understood what they were saying until probably my early 20s. And so right through school, I went through, whether you want to call it bullying or, or just, you know, just being socially uh, awkward. Mm. Um, I had to learn how to, uh, I was always on the outside, I guess you could say. I was always on the outside of people. So being on the outside has always uh, enabled me with, uh, I guess you can say, a different vantage point to human relationships. Because you're always, if you're always on the outside, then you see what nobody else sees. Mm, exactly. And so when you have two people that are at odds with each other, you know exactly why. Because you're not in it. You're not emotionally invested. You're objectively uh, observing what's going on and you can give advice based on that. I remember one time I was sitting in the back of my uncle's car. And the woman he was dating at, at the time, uh, they were arguing about something. And I just sat there. I was probably about nine years old. And... Uh, playing with my toy and I could hear what she was saying and I could hear what he was saying and they were not on the same page and I could see exactly where they had to change their uh, tone one and also uh, reflect on what they were feeling instead of saying or accusing the other person of doing something to them and so I, I just remember you know sitting there thinking to myself I have the solution to this problem but being nine years old you're kind of told that you know you don't really know anything and adults know more than you and so I kept it to myself. But it was from that point on I knew that I wanted to do counseling. I knew I wanted to help people. Honestly, I knew I wanted to do kind of marriage counseling. Interesting. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. That's, so, yeah. yeah, that's amazing. No, I was just, just going to say that's really insightful at nine years old that you had that innate sort of 
just knowledge you knew you wanted to just help people you had that passion so that's that's really cool i like that yeah yeah so it was something it was something but it was just one part of the process to where i am now mm-hmm. you know it started off i think i was uh you know in grade four and uh everything i find stems from childhood almost and because when you're a child the circumstances that happen to you as a child um, because you don't, your brain isn't fully developed yet. Mm-hmm. You, you you put the wrong meaning on an event, and you put there you give you give negative meaning or you generalize um, the event to your whole life because you, your brain isn't developed and you can't you know decipher emotions or or navigate through through you know the ocean of emotion really with all the waves that are breaking over you of sadness, joy, frustration. It's hard, and mm-hmm. so. I found that I didn't have uh, the cognitive, I guess you can say, capacity to deal with an event in grade four. What had happened to me was uh, I went to a private Christian school, and so it's very, very uh, rare we had new kids in the class. And so we had this one new kid in the class, and he shared the same name as I did. So I thought, oh, that's great. You know, I have automatic friend. And that's how it was. It was really great. And the other guys liked him. And, you know, the day went on, and it was just one fantastic day. You know, nothing could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna probably he's probably gonna join the class next year, and it's gonna be great. And and uh, end of the class comes, or end of the day of school comes, and I remember uh, reaching into my desk. It was a metal desk, and uh, I overheard some of my friends, and I believe they were my friends, um, saying things like, you know, that other Phil guy is really cool, you know, and they said, uh, you know, out with the old Phil and in with the new. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so that really broke me, and I started to cry. And uh, and with that, again, as a child, the meaning I put on that event was that I'm replaceable, that I'm not valuable to people, that if how could people that I've been with for the past five years so displace me and mm-hmm. so replace me so quickly uh, with somebody else? And so... That was the meaning I put on. And from that time, I was always trying to be accepted. I was always fighting to be accepted. I was always uh, overcompensating to be accepted because, of the, the again, as a child, I didn't understand that that was one event. And it does not mean that's how that's who I am or it doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. But, again, if you're, not, if you're a kid and you can't, you don't have that understanding, then I, you generalize. And that's what happened to me. So for the next, you know— the next, what, six, seven, almost ten years, I was figuring out who I was, trying to be accepted, trying to, you know, do whatever I could to be accepted. And, you know, get me, in, get me in trouble with my parents a lot because I'm trying to be accepted with my peers and mm-hmm. and not being a leader. And mm. so that's that's basically what started it. And that started me on a path of, of uh, I guess, this isolation, okay. uh, just feeling isolated and believing that I was isolated. Now I've learned that, you know, one event doesn't define your whole life. Exactly. No, it doesn't. It's hard because when you're a kid, like you said, you really, you believe that and you take that to heart and you Mm -hmm. carry it with you and you don't realize. Sometimes you forget about that event, but it's in you and you carry it throughout throughout the years. So for you... um, because you said you said up to almost a span of ten years, it kind of that kind of was inside of you. Mm-hmm. So when did you let go of that? When did you realize you know what? I am enough. I, I do. I, I'm a leader. Like I deserve more, and I'm not replaceable. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it actually happened. It, it took a breakup with this girl I was dating for about a month in high school. It took a breakup to actually show me that I'm actually valuable for who I am. And I'm going to stop. I think it was grade. It was uh, grade 12. Actually, it was a year. I went back for a semester. Mm-hmm. And so it was that semester I went back. And I something just clicked. And I'm like, you know, I'm valuable for who I am. Only God can tell me how valuable I am. And that's who I'm only person I'm going to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so I began to then start a journey of figuring out who I was and loving myself for myself. And I and that's the thing is if we can if we can love ourselves and value ourselves for who we are and that value comes from within, nobody can touch it. That's it. Nothing can nothing can happen to it. Mm-hmm. I can lose my car, I can lose my house, I can lose my family, I can lose so many things. Mm-hmm. You can take everything away. And I'm still valuable. It won't phase mm-hmm. me because my source comes from within. My source of value comes from me. Wow. And nobody can know. You can lock me up in jail. You can <laughs> do whatever you want. My, I'm still valuable. And, and that's... 100%. And that's what I had to learn. Um, but here's the thing. If I didn't go through that, people can say, oh, but you're, you know, that was so painful. What you, you know, the bullying, the, the frustrations, the, all that's so painful. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have known what I know now. I value those experiences. I value those, the pain and the pressure mm-hmm. because it's pain and pressure is what really creates a person. The, the, you know, diamonds are formed under pressure. Anything valuable um, comes through pressure, comes through pain. A baby that's born, a mother has to go through serious amounts of labor, of pressure. Mm-hmm. It's work. That's why they call it labor. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I value that. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would never trade my experiences for anything in the world because it really helped me sh- to see um, myself for who I am now. Amazing. You know, that's, so. yeah, that's a huge blessing. I think that's, to get to that point, it's, um, it takes a lot because it's a journey, it's labor, mm-hmm. it's work, but it's definitely worth it. And now you're able to help others through your experiences. Yeah. Um, so what would you say, like, in finding your value, how is that impacted in how you help others? Hmm. So I find that if I can only help others, if I know who I am, mm-hmm. um, if I'm secure in myself, then here, I, I'll explain it like this. Uh, it's like it's like a battery. OK, a battery can only produce, let's say it's a, your phone. Everybody has a phone. Everybody can kind of relate to this. You have a phone. You charge that phone, um, and you can make contacts. You can you can do what you do what you normally do on that phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it dies, once the you know juice is run out, it's useless. It can't do anything for you. Can't do anything for anybody else. That's how I look at value. Is I have to um, charge up my own value every morning. I have to affirm myself. It just doesn't happen. I'm not. I don't wake up every day. Today I didn't wake up all. You know, I'm valuable. No, I had to. You know, I have to look at myself in the mirror, tell myself I value, I love you, I appreciate you. Um, there's nobody else that can value the way I do. I have to. I have to do that for myself. So I have to charge myself. And once I'm charged up, that that value in me, mm-hmm. that that uh, affirmation in myself, then I can become like a source of life to other people. Because a lot of people are walking around this world, I find, um, taking from others because mm. they're so empty. Yeah, they're so empty, and, and and 
because they're so empty, they're looking for something to fill them. And so they, they, you know, they turn to things and, and, and turn to even, even maybe crime. Maybe it's just codependency to fill that void because they don't realize that it's only them who can affirm themselves. Only they can be their own source almost. Exactly. You know, I, I, even for me, my source is God. And so if I'm good there, then I'm good everywhere else. Um, and so I become a source of life. But for me to become a source of life, I have to know who I am first. I can't help somebody if I don't know who I am. You don't go to, um, for example, if I'm solid in who I am, it's like a rock. It's like mm-hmm. a stone. And, and, you know, you can build on a rock. You can build on a strong foundation. But if I'm, you know, double-minded, don't know who I am, um, unstable, you know, like sand, then I, I can't build on that. Because the, the next thing that comes my way, I'm going to shift towards that and whatever I build is going to fall. Mm-hmm. But if I stick to what, I'm, what my values are, if I stick to knowing who I am, then there's nothing that can change me. I'll be focused and clear. And uh, another thing is, you know, most of the time you, you have to learn how to say no. You got to learn how to put a boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way you can put a boundaries in your life is if you know who you are. Because technically, boundaries says, this is where I begin, and this is where I end. That's what boundaries do. They say, this is who I am. But unless you know who you are, you, you don't know exactly. where you begin or end. And that's why you have so many people in the world doing so many things, trying to please everybody, because they don't know who they are. And they take their value from other people. They take their value from other people's opinions about themselves. Uh, they take their value from other people's, from their work, mm-hmm. even. You know, you grow up thinking... You know, everybody's heard it from their parents. Um, you know, you know. Unfortunately, people don't have parents. Uh, you know, how they were raised. They've they do something good, and they hear "good boy," "good girl." You know, the issue I have with that is you're placing the the, the child's value on the work they do instead of who they are. Hmm. And so, I now tell parents or tell people or even interact with my um, family in a way where it's like, "Good job." I don't tell them good boy or good girl because I don't want their value associated to that. And this is where you, this is where you know almost workaholism stems from, is people will work, 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 and their family will be you know in decay because they take their value out of their work instead of who they are. Mm-hmm. They say if I do more work, then I'm good. I'm a good person. If I do, you know, if I make this next contract, if I if I close this final sale, my boss will will say good job. Good, good, good worker. Good, whatever it is. And almost like you're feeling validated, like, oh, like you get that adrenaline, like that that feeling gives you like that rush, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay. And then you're stressed all over again because you're like, okay, what do I do next? What, what else can I? How can I top this? Exactly. So. Exactly. What happens in the brain when you complete a task? There's a rush of chemicals mm-hmm. that that are almost like a high, and your brain wants that again. And so what it does, it searches for that high again, and where is it more likely to be found? Work. Mm-hmm. But if you're valuable for who you are, you know when you should stop working and go to your family and be a source of life for your family. And then you know when you to go back to work and be a source of life for your work, a source of strength for your work. Mm-hmm. But when I work, when I do things now, um, like I work in a ministry, I work, I have my own business. I do a subcontract, subcontracting position. And because of my background of hearing, you know, good boy every time I did something good, or it was, you know, Philip, be a good son and can you do this for me? Mm. Right? <laughs> we've all heard that one, or be a good daughter. And, you know. Yeah, we've all. 
And so I, you know, I challenge that one time and say, no, I'm, I'm valuable for who I am. That doesn't, whether I do this or not, does not dictate who I am as a son. You know, I'm valuable for who I am. And so, you know, being that source of life, um, being solid, mm-hmm. I find, um, so that now I don't, anything can happen. You can take away everything. You can take away the job. You can take away, I can do bad at the job, and I, I'm going to have a great day. And you still know who you are at the end of the day. Exactly. And I think that's so important. Knowing who you are is so key. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people I find, especially this generation, I find that we always struggle with, like, we're lost. We're like, we literally, I don't want to generalize and, like, say everyone is lost, mm-hmm. but a lot of us are lost and not knowing who we are and being frustrated and just kind of doing things by the fly and just hoping that we'll find ourselves within whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really dangerous. And I think it even goes, like, for example, with athletes, um, they, some of them, if, like, when they don't know who they are, in a sense, they'll do their career, have, like, you know, have the high and the success and everything. But then when they're kind of, like, say something happened, an injury or whatever, they're so distraught they're lost Mm -hmm. like of course they're devastated because they can't play the game they love but then for them it's like this was it like Mm -hmm. i don't have anything else and i think that goes to what you just said about not knowing who you are i think if you actually know who you are and the value you have like the value and how much you are valued sorry Mm -hmm. if that happens yes you'll be devastated for a moment but you'll be able to pick yourself back up and move on and maybe do something else or just you know and just continue on in life you won't fall in that deep 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 depression in a sense Mm -hmm. i mean it's different for everybody because i don't want to generalize but i feel like it's a huge component knowing who you are that has a huge impact in how you react to your situation so i think that's amazing that you found that um yeah i think that's really good yeah and really echo that there's a there's a ufc fighter uh, uh, you know, female UFC fighter. She's very famous. Everybody knows about yes. her. <laughs> championship after championship, defended her championship for yeah. such a long time, and then when she loses, it's like she doesn't know who she is. And it was, she she spoke about it. You know, just the the negativity, the dark places she was in yes, yes. after she lost because she thought she was a championship fighter. Mm-hmm. No, you are who you are. What you do is different. Yeah, and and so. That's another thing is athletes, when they get injured, they get depressed because now they can't. But I'm an athlete. No. You know, I, I'm. that's why when people, if you go to a social event, people ask, oh, so, you know, who are you? First thing they talk about is all the things they do. Not who they actually are. Not who they actually are. Somebody, if you ask me, you know, Philip, who are you? You know, I'm, I'm Philip Isaacs. Um, that's it. <laughs> uh, now, if you want to know more about what I do and how I relate to the world around me, then I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you how. And most that's what people are actually asking is, yeah. what do you do in the world around you? Who do you influence? Who do you impact? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on a subconscious level, how can I benefit from the relationship with you? No, that's 100%. I agree with that. So it's speaking of um, impact, mm-hmm. what are your goals um, for how you want to impact the world or mm-hmm. in the people that you meet? I want every person I meet or I talk to, I really want them to leave with a sense of joy and uplifting. Like, I want to be the, one of those people that when you leave me, even it's just a quick, you know, 10 seconds, nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. I want the person to leave feeling uplifted, feeling joyful, mm-hmm. feeling at peace within themselves. Uh, being that source of peace, being that source of, again, just positive life. Um, it's like a like a life-giving force almost. Yeah. Um, 
in terms of world is I'm writing a book right now on some of the things I'm talking about of how to take your life from one place where you're, you're maybe happy, but you know there's more. And so that's how I was. I, I was happy. I was great. But then I, I knew there was more. And the only way to get more is to challenge your current state of thinking now mm. because you can't have – here's the thing. If you wanted – if you truly want the next step in life, you can't get there with the same way of thinking you have now. 100%. I agree with that so much. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, it's impossible. It's yeah. like saying, you know, I want to – it's like I want to go – um, 50 kilometers an hour or I want to go 100 kilometers an hour on the highway mm-hmm. straight uphill but I'm riding a bike you have to shift your mode of transportation and for the us as, as humans being able to think and having control over our thoughts and being able to think about what we're thinking about we can do that but we have to change our mindset mm, that's yes. our vehicle Yes, our vehicle to success is your mindset it has nothing to do with the tools. It doesn't have to do with where you're born. It doesn't have to do with your socioeconomic status. I know millionaires who before they were poor, you know, walking barefoot in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Okay. People that are, that are influencing millions of people in their lives because their mindset was different. Mm, because it is, of, yeah. You know, and just the situ- just the, the, the situation, the circumstances, you know, are worse. But then over here in North America... You know, I, I had a better life than this person, but why do I have less influence or less um, success, if you want to call it that? It's, it's, it has to do with the mind. Mm-hmm. And there's one thing constant in all of us. It's our mind, our ability to think. Maybe not all of us because, you know, I try not to generalize because there are some people who deal with mental, um, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. But some, some neuroscientists even will say or, or – Neurosurgeons will say that you can actually heal your yourself with your mind. There's a Dr. Caroline Leaf. She speaks about this a lot about changing the way you think. Is you can change your personality. Um, I found that I've I've even done some you know changing. Okay, if I can change the way I think. So before I mentioned how you know I thought I was I thought I didn't belong because I was so easy replaced. Mm-hmm. So if I went to a uh, I was at a hotel one time. And we're going to a speaking engagement in the morning. And so I was out eating breakfast in the morning. And I'm the only, you know, I guess you can say Afrocentric person there. I'm the only African-American, whatever you want to name me, whatever. Black person. I'm the only black person there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And I, 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 my shoulder, like I stand six foot five. Okay. So you can tell when something, when my posture is not right. So my shoulders were hunched up over and I just felt like. I felt this negative thing coming from within me. It was just this I don't belong mentality. Why? Because I'm the only black person there. And I thought to myself, no, you do belong just as much as anybody else here does. And I fixed my posture and that tried to change my mind. That's another way to change your thinking is change what you're doing. You can actually overwrite and override certain behave, certain uh, thought patterns Mm -hmm. with what you do. And, um, yeah, so back to what I was saying is our road to success, the, how, how fast you want it to go, our vehicle to success is the way our, the way we think, our mindset. Mm-hmm. We have to start shifting our mindset as people if we want more than what we have. Because And, and uh, another thing is if you really wanted it, you would have it. Oh, my goodness, yes. If you it, – yeah, it's – you know what? <laughs> That's so true. And even what you just said about – 
kind of feeling like you don't belong in a sense in that room being the only black person there i feel like it's so easy to cop that's a cop out that we use sometimes to to kind of doubt ourselves and Mm. we we listen to that little voice that's like you don't belong here and it's like why would i not belong? i breathe the same we have the same blood same organs Mm. like why like why do I not, like? Why do I not belong here? Like you, you, we all belong. Yeah. You know what I mean. So, um, I think also I heard a quote recently that said, um, "You can't choose how the world reacts to you, but mm-hmm. you can, but you can choose how you react to the world." Yeah. So that quote stuck with me, and I was like, "I the past like week and a half, I'm like, or two weeks, I was like, wow, like that is so true. You can't change how people treat you." No. But you can change how you allow them to treat you as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's another. So I feel like um, what you just said, like, is resonates with a lot of people. Um, you go into whether you're black, I mean, any minority in a sense, or even white too. Some situations, like, you can go into a place and just feel so out of place. Mm-hmm. But if you just change your mindset and be positive, you. Yeah will start to, you know, exude that confidence and people will approach you and people will be like, hey, like, how are you? They'll want to get to know you, not just because you look different, but because, you know, they want to hear your story. Just, you know, when you kind of exude that confidence. So exactly, exactly. I feel like that's very important. It's also, you know, responsibility is really just the ability to respond. Yeah. And you can either react or you can respond. Mm -hmm. So we have to start shifting from a victim mentality of, this the world has done this to me. This is where I grew up. Into a responsibility mentality of, I actually need to take responsibility for my own life, mm-hmm. despite my circumstances. Exactly. Like, let me show you. Sure, I tell you, I tell you my my childhood circumstance of of this what they said. Mm-hmm. But that's almost victim mentality. Now, people listening to this be like, it's such a sad story. You know, why are you gonna? Yes, it is victim. Actually, I've now decided, as of a few months ago, I decided to tell myself a different story or a different perspective of that event, which was responsibility. And if I really look at it, for my, I don't know what it was, but I just wanted people's attention, whether it was good or bad. So I would annoy the heck out of people. Okay. <laughs> I would just annoy people. I, I don't know why. You know, I, I can relate to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I do that all the time. So, I still do it. You see, <laughs> And so, you know, I can say the same story, but now with a responsibility, you know, spin on it where it's like, if I didn't annoy them so much, maybe they wouldn't have said that. Now, everybody's like silent. Yeah. You were a kid, but yes, you're a kid. Yeah, you're a kid. But now I'm I'm grown. And, you know, when you when you become an adult and especially, you know, boys actually becoming men, you know, when I was a boy, I was a boy. Mm -hmm. When I become a man, I put away childish things. That means I gotta start. I gotta start going back to how I used to think. I gotta go back to those meanings I put on things and change them. Mm. So instead of being a victim in that situation, now I take responsibility. Because if I don't take responsibility, I can't change. You can't change until you take responsibility for what you do. And so I would fight my parents on things like, um, you know, I would. They didn't think I took care of my things. My my my. Uh, my own personal items properly and mm-hmm. they would break or whatever. Yeah. They didn't like my sister hates when I, it's like she hates when I touch her stuff because she thinks, oh, she thinks I break it mm-hmm. because it just, for some reason I'll yeah. be sitting there doing nothing and th- something will fall. And she'd be like, see right there. <laughs> and, and I'll oh think to my myself, God. I didn't do it. It's like, but then I, I caught myself and I said, 
okay, what if they're right? Mm-hmm. What if they're actually telling me something that I refuse to believe because, again, I'm playing the victim where it's not my fault. I'm blaming something else. Yeah. You see, whoever you blame, you surrender your authority and your ability to change to. Mm. If you're constantly blaming that other person for your life circumstances, then you can never change. They have the power to change you. And that's why they're always controlling your emotions. Easy. Dang. I wish I could, like, do that snap thing here. <laughs> but I don't want to <laughs> disturb the mic. <laughs> but snap, snap. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's, that's, yeah. But it, that's truth. And the truth hurts. Mm-hmm. The truth hurts 100%. me as much as it hurts somebody else. Because when I have to take in truth, it hurts. I don't want to. Yeah. First thing that comes up to my mind is I already know this. Yeah. Let me tell you, Jodian, if you if somebody's telling you something and you're thinking I already know this, you've already lost. Mm. You can't change. Huh. And even if I mean even if you know it, even if you just do know l- it. just take it in. Just yeah. cuz they could be adding something to it. You're like, "Oh, wait, I didn't know that part." The cool thing about wisdom, it's like a diamond. Diamonds have different facets to it. Mm-hmm. It's the same diamond, but now it shines a different way. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing about a phrase or a quote or advice. You may have heard that advice so many times, but now it's going to shine in a different way for you to understand it in a different aspect, in a different circumstances. Now that you're older, now that you're about to step into this new job, this new relationship, that advice that you heard 10, 15 years ago mm-hmm. or two days ago from a different person now has new meaning. Wow. Because wisdom transcends circumstance. Amazing. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm loving everything I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are as well. Um, so with you, the work that you do, with your motivational speaking mm-hmm. and everything and the traveling and um, soon-to-be author, when you go, to, how has traveling really impacted your, I guess I would say, the work that you do? Like being able to go to these, I'll kind of break down, being able to go to these new places and different countries and um, how has that impacted in how you even do your speeches, do your talks, I should say, sorry. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So uh, one big thing is culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, culture is just different around the world, right? <laughs> and so when I go to, when I would go to Bulgaria, you know, Europe, Eastern Europe, uh, you know, it's different out there. Mm-hmm. People are different. And so when I'm speaking about things like value and I'm giving different analogies, I have to be aware of the culture. I have to be aware of the people I'm around. I can't use North American phrases or North American terms over in Europe. Like, yo, that's lit. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, fam, what they, up? No, they're, they're just they're look looking at you funny. They're, they're, what? You know, in, in different language too, right? So it's a whole, it's a whole other a whole other experience. But what it's taught me is to mm-hmm. be sensitive, mm. to, to be observant, to listen to people's hearts, uh, not just their accents, right? We, sometimes we do that. We'll, we'll judge somebody. We'll hear an accent and we'll automatically think. Not, I shouldn't generalize. Um, mm-hmm. See, that's something I'm working on personally is, <laughs> is instead of speculating, you know, be more precise. Yes. You know, so I'm always working on my craft as a speaker. And so I've come across, you know, people where it's, I just have to be careful that I'm not judging them based on their education, based on where they come from. Mm. I've I've spoken to you know Roma people before, uh, so other the other name you get for a Roma person is a gypsy person. Okay, and when people hear gypsy, they're like, oh my gosh, they these, get all like uptight. Yeah, and like, they get oh uptight. Gosh, like, yeah. What's wrong with these people? You know, gypsies are the most some of the most loving people I've ever met in my life. I mean, embracing, accepting, free. I, I just. I honestly love being with them. 
And so I'll speak to a group of, <clears throat> you know, Bulgarians who are gypsy, and it's it's different than Bulgarians who are non-gypsy. It's just you, and you have to learn how to speak, and you have to learn, or you have to be adaptable to present uh, concepts like value to them differently. Mm. And uh, that's what's one area, but it's ta- it's taught me how to be more observant. It's allowed me to. Um, be a lot more quiet because when language is taken away, the first thing you are is quiet and you start listening. You start listening to people's phrases, to their faces. Um, you, you listen to their intonations. Body language. Yeah. yeah. Body language. That's true. You look for those nonverbal cues. Yes. And so what that makes you do is it puts you more in touch with your, what I would say is your mirror neurons or something in your brain. You just coin it as mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm sad, if I have a sad face, you know I'm sad because your mirror neurons say, "Oh, if we do that, it's because we're sad." Mm-hmm. So it, it gets me more in touch with empathy. Uh, it makes me more empathic. Really, mm-hmm. when I go to places like Africa, honestly, I feel at home. <laughs> Where have you been? I've been in Namibia. Um, okay. You know, stopover in South Africa, which is which was nice, but I've actually spent time time um, in Namibia. Okay. It's a country. Uh, borders Angola. It's just right above uh, South Africa okay. on the western side. Okay. And so, listen, when I stepped off that plane, and I'm around, because now everybody, not everybody, but like 90% of the population is, is black. Yeah. And it's like, I have, I have a different sense. Honestly, I have a complete I don't feel like I'm a minority. Yeah. For those listening, I just put the quote yeah. in the air. <laughs> I don't feel like a minority. I, it, and it gives you this confidence. Mm. So when I'm in, I'm in Africa speaking, I feel more confident, honestly. And that teaches me, if I didn't go, then I wouldn't realize that, wait a second, I'm taking my confidence from my environment instead of who I am. And so it helps me self-reflect. When you, because I'm the only constant, for example, you can have constants and variables in life. Mm-hmm. We as individuals are constants, and we go through different variables, which is circumstances, life changes, jobs, opportunities. Those are variables. Those are things that change over time. Mm-hmm. But then something that doesn't change over time is you. I'm not talking about growth. I'm not talking about physical appearance. I'm just talking about you as a person. Me, Philip, as a person, mm-hmm. this is who I am. I'm a constant. So what I, if I go to Africa and I'm behaving different, it's... Not because of Africa, it's because of me. It's just the different circumstances has it has, has uh, emphasized this part of my life. Mm. Okay, I'll explain to you like this. Um, you know, if you... It's like almost like a, I was once blind, but now I can see. Yeah. Because now the light's been turned on. Or my circumstances have changed to show me this this thing inside of me. Another thing is when people get married... They didn't realize that they have uh, patient issues <laughs> or they didn't realize they have anger issues. It's not that the other person makes them angry. It's that it was already in them. The circumstances brought it out. The circumstance, not the person. Yes. So, you know, I always say to people, you know, situations will either test or reveal your character mm. and just pray it's the first one. Because <laughs> if your character gets revealed in front of it's just really bad. It, you just feel embarrassed. Okay. And I've had that happen to me a few times. And it's like, wow, Philip, you got to work on this. You got to work on your patience. You got to work on your love for people. 
you got to work on your compassion for people. You know, there's a point I was just getting so work heavy that mm-hmm. I was just work, 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 and just, you know, head down, grinding, just go. And I just was blunt. Yeah. I'm like, no, you have to learn how to shift gears. I can't blame work, and I want to get to my goals to be insensitive. That's, I can't, I can't yeah. give myself permission. Oh, I'm working so hard, so I can be. No, I have to shift gears and be all things to all people that I would win some. Mm-hmm. You know, so... It's learning how to shift gears. Another thing is I've, I've, that's what's really taught me mm-hmm. is I can shift gears pretty quickly now. That's amazing that you were able to acknowledge that and and accept it. Not just acknowledge it, but accept it and now kind of change your mindset. And in doing that helps you grow. Because I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, I have this issue, but whatever. It's not that serious. People are worse than me. Like they automatically replace it with, oh, someone has it worse than me. At least mm-hmm. I'm not like that. I'm happy that you acknowledge that because the work, especially the work that you do, you, of course, are helping other people with those same situations. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're able to admit that to yourself shows tremendous like humility and growth um, and just makes you a better person and you're able to a better person in, in the field that you're working mm-hmm. in you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um i commend you on that that's amazing oh, and even you. sharing that thank like you. you didn't have to even say that and admit that but the fact that you're you're okay with admitting that and talking about it shows that you are the real deal mm-hmm. so no thank you thank you <laughs> that's amazing transparency is a is key in, in this field you gotta yeah. be some areas you you don't want your clients knowing so much about you. <laughs> it's like, why am I coming to you if you're right? a business? No, it's just transparency. I found my mentor. Um, you know, he one of the key things he was with me and is transparent. And when I saw somebody like my leader or my mentor being so transparent, I realized, wait a second, he has this. He goes maybe through the, through the same things I do. Mm-hmm. He's been through the same things I have. So I didn't feel so bad mm. in terms of I didn't feel so guilty or I didn't condemn myself. It was, okay, so I'm not alone in this. It's okay, you're human. And if he could do it and there's no difference between him and I, yeah, then I can do this as well. I can overcome my insecurities on this. I can grow from this situation too. And, you know, that's what, that's what I try with some of my clients is telling them my own story and my own, what I'm growing in. Yeah. And that's what I want people to also get from me is that I haven't arrived Mm-hmm. I, I don't want people to think I've arrived at some place or some some guru moment. No, I, I'm I'm still growing. Life is a process. It's a journey. It's mm-hmm. a not even a marathon. It's like a, a journey mm-hmm. that there is no finish line. There is there is just keep going. Yeah, I love right. that you just gave that analogy because we always see we've always seen growing up like you want to get to the finish line, mm-hmm. get to the finish line, like get to the end of the road, and it's like. I find that as growing up, I always think that was such an odd analogy to have. I was like, I didn't get it. It was always so strange to me. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, okay, but then what happens after the finish line? Like, why do we, like, they teach us to get to the finish line, but then it's like, then what? Mm-hmm. Like, we've achieved this great thing and we're done? Like, no, like, life is knowledge like life you're always you're constantly learning you're constantly growing so i've never been really fond of that statement mm-hmm. so i'm glad you, that you just refer to keep going and you know keep the, going yeah don't keep go to the going. end of the line like you just no. keep going because there's some some people some yes. see, I'm trying to generalize. yes yeah i was doing that earlier this is what i do as well me yeah. personally if i see the end of the line and i see my goal coming mm-hmm. i pull off the brake because i'm like oh it's right there i can coast now yeah and then what happens is 
That's the danger is you don't finish strong. You can start strong, but you don't finish strong. If you take your eyes off the quote unquote finish line Mm -hmm. and just say, my goal is not the end, but a means to the end. Mm. Okay. Wow. So my goal isn't just, I have this now. Mm -hmm. No, it's the means to something greater. It's a means to something else. And that means is impacting and leaving a legacy. Oh my gosh, you just literally out sorry, you just like <laughs> I was thinking the word legacy in my mind. I yes. swear to you. And I was like, it is about leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. That's because that's the finish line. That's so it, but, but oh my gosh. To leave a legacy you have to die. Yes. Be, if you if you look at who are legacies today, you're gonna find their gravestones. You're gonna find that you're born, you're death. Mm-hmm. That's what you're going to find. Those are legacies, something because they have left something that outlives them. Mm-hmm. And the only way to leave something that outlives you is to think in eternal uh, realms, mm. is to build with eternity in mind. That once I build this, it's going to start growing. I can leave the earth. I can leave now. I could die, and it's going to continually impact people in a positive way. Oh, my gosh, 100%. And so there is no finish line. It's a continuous growth in somebody else. And so I can be, you know, my existence can be erased. Mm -hmm. But technically it's not. People are still being impacted in a positive way from that. That's why why I'll do podcasts. That's why I'll write a book. Mm -hmm. I'll write more than one book because those are the things that are going to outlive me. Wow. Right? And so – that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's I, so I, no. encourage, I encourage people to, this is why I encourage kids is, you know, get off social media, get off <sighs> of these things that are like, are taking your time and your creativity. Oh my goodness. It, like if you're looking at things that of course that spark creativity, that's, that's fine. But take that, look at it and now put it down and go do it in a sense. Yeah. Like don't just hold on to that because even like what you were saying about legacies, um, like leaving a legacy, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because I've always I've always had these weird like the ways I think very I find just odd I think very odd and or look you're looking at me like <laughs> don't say that no, no, you don't think you think the way Jodian is supposed to yes. think okay that's, but you don't want to compare yourself to the everybody else that's true that's okay. one thing we don't want to compare and we don't want to like bring tear things tear people down okay that's true that's okay well say. okay I like that. Um, no, what I was going to say was it's interesting because you come into this world with life, right? So you come in with almost in a sense. I, sometimes people say you come into this world with nothing, but really you're coming into this world with life. You're not coming in the world with nothing. And then when you're leaving this world, you're not only leaving a legacy, but you're leaving a life legacy. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like that's I've always thought that and it kind of connects. So I thought that was the fact that you kind of just brought that back to me because I used to always think that. I've never actually said that out loud. Yeah. So it, I just was like, oh, that's... It kind of just reminded me of my old my my kind of old mindset and how yeah. I used to see whenever I heard that phrase like how they come into life with nothing. But I'm like, not really. No. You don't. You you are everything. Everything you everything you need for your goals for what you want in life. Yeah. You have when you were born. Exactly. You you. It's just you have to work on creating it and and manifesting it into reality. Exactly. That's who you that's what you have to do. But the thing is that requires one hard hard work. And people aren't willing to work hard. Mm-hmm. They're willing to work hard for short-term gains like money. Mm-hmm. People that have money don't think about it not because they have it, but because they realize this is, means actually nothing. And they start to put that's why they become philanthropists. Mm-hmm. And start doing more things than what they the money 
because they have a different yeah. understanding now. Exactly. They think generational now. Yes. But if you if you don't have anything and you have a let's say a poverty mentality, you think about what will tomorrow bring. Oh my I goodness! Make it. And you're so, and yes. you're more pleasure focused. Yeah. And you want the next high. You want the next thing that can just. That's why they saturate like our generation. A lot of gen- millennials, millennials have been saturated with reality TV. Oh my god! And it all started with what? Uh, Don't say it. <laughs> American Idol. Oh, okay, you're gonna say something. Actually, yeah, that's true. How it all started. Yeah, in a sense, it, yeah. If if I you know my if memory, were, if it's far, serving me correctly, yeah. if I can think back that far, what was the biggest reality show? Grade seven. Uh, American Idol. I'm gonna say, yeah, I think so. And then next thing was Survivor, and then it, all these reality shows are now here. Yeah, people were craving real life connections. They're craving reality, Real, but yeah. It's, it's not but it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> it's an alternate reality. If you want reality, take some time, take three days, go away from everybody, bring a book and a pen, leave your phone, and start to think: What do I want my life to look like? What do I want when I die? Who will be at my funeral? Mm-hmm. What will they say about me? Mm-hmm. Write your own obituary. Don't let anybody else write it. You write it. And then that's now your life goal. Or that's your life legacy now. Mm. So when you accomplish it and when you do die, because everybody's going to die, yeah, they can say that this is what you did. Because a lot of people have regret when a lot of people, some people do, will have regret when they're on their deathbed. Mm-hmm. If they are fortunate enough to even have a deathbed per se. Mm. But I've heard even, and maybe other people have heard that, you know, where is the most rich ground? What contains the most resources on the face of the planet? It's not oil, it's not diamonds, it's not jewels, it's gifts, talents, and abilities that are in the cemeteries that were never manifested on this earth. Wow. Wow. And, and, and that's the richest ground on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. You go to a cemetery and you will see the richest ground because people died with their dreams. Why? Because they didn't think they were good enough. Mm. They were too worried about what people would say about them. You know, I mentioned today, why is Van Gogh and and... Picasso, so so famous, because they died, and once they died, then somebody went into their shop and saw their beautiful painting, mm-hmm. and said, "This is immaculate, and this is the standard of art." Yeah, and now it sells for million. Yeah, it's in museums, right? Why? But they had, they died. If they didn't die, it would still remain hidden. And so it's like, I'm not good enough, so I'm not going to show my talents or skills or abilities because I don't think I'm good enough. But you don't understand that you are your worst critic. Oh, my goodness. It's, oh, yes, we are. You are your most unfair critic. Yeah. And I find that's also the reason why I do that is because I'm seeing my goal and what I've created isn't that, isn't isn't equal to that goal. Mm -hmm. But I forget that this is a journey towards that end. And so what I create now is a means to an end. So if I create an article, it's a means to get somewhere. It doesn't have to be. Here's another thing is it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be real and authentic. Wow. That's That's so true. No, thank you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Philip. It's been so awesome speaking with you. I really appreciate your honesty and your humility. It's, um, It's very inspiring. 
Oh, you're welcome. And I know that people listening will definitely um, take something away from this conversation. I hope so. Yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for coming. Um, and yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> hope to, you know, speak about this again sometime. Yeah. No. The, honestly, this was a, like it was a pleasure. It was an honor. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, the last question that I have for you yeah. um, is kind of like a fun question I ask everybody. Sure. So, what is the one thing you can't leave the house without, minus your cell phone? Minus my cell phone? Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say my wallet, but that's too easy. <laughs> I mean, hey. Yeah, you, know, you have to use license. You don't get tickets. <laughs> um, officer, I forgot my phone out. No. Um, one thing, I, chapstick. I cannot. I can't stand when I leave. I have turned my car around. <laughs> really? To get chapstick? Yes, it's my you pocket right what? now. I can't leave without chapstick. You know what? That is one of the most popular qu- answers that I have. That I have. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, guys and girls, say chapstick. chapstick. I'm waiting for that one person to say lotion. Lotion. It's in my car. <laughs> Someone's gonna say cream. Somebody's gonna, gonna be like. My lotion. Oh my gosh. Honestly, thank you again yeah, so much welcome. for coming. Thank you. It's an honor and a blessing to be here oh, and to uh, share th- this time with you. Thank you. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, you can find Philip on social media mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, yes. and he has a website. And do you want to just give the yeah, shout so out your um, social media? Website is philipisaacs.com. That's P H I L I P I S A A C com. My, you know, uh, social media links are on the top of the home page, but I've changed my social media on Instagram. I think it's now Philip Isaacs zero five, um, and for Twitter it's Phil underscore o five. Okay, um, well I'll have them also listed on the, when I do great. the blog. Yeah, I'll have great. all of your links there so you, that everyone just click yeah. and go. And for Facebook, I have a page up. Um, it's just go to Isaacs Guidance and Consulting. And uh, I post things, uh, quotes and pictures and just something to bring energy to your day. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm out.